Hello and welcome to episode 906 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Thursday, March 18th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I'm joined by Justin Mason. Justin, how are you today? I'm doing all right. A little rainy out, but that's keeping the temperature somewhat in check, so it's... Sounds know. sounds nice. It yeah. sounds I can hear kind of some ambient rain, and I like that. I like yeah. that. I have that little thing on my phone with the nature sounds on it. I can fall asleep to rain in an instant. Well, try so, to stay awake for the podcast. I will. I will. If I zone out, though, you know that the rain got me mm-hmm. and just carry on without me. All right. Okay. I, I can do that. <laughs> um, we got plenty to talk about today, so we're going to dive right in. We got news. You know, it's spring training. Obviously, uh, we always start with like the super excitement of spring and can't wait to have baseball on, at least as, you know, nice background noise, making another ambient thing to... Uh, like a Sunday snooze when you're watching baseball is nice. But then we hit that point a couple of weeks in when the injuries start to come through. And um, that can be frustrating. And obviously we make big decisions based on that because we're doing a bunch of drafts. And it can create pockets of value. And I think you took advantage of one said pocket, which you didn't know was going to be an advantage. Mm-hmm. You just thought maybe... And now it looks like it is because Framber Valdez has gotten some good news that looks like, hey, he might not need surgery. He might be all right. And you took you were taking him like insanely late. Mm-hmm. So for now, he doesn't need surgery. I think with the way you got him in those couple drafts where, I mean, he was just a complete afterthought. In fact, today we're doing um, biggest ADP droppers. He's the top guy. He's and I'm just going to spoil real quick. He went minus 174 to 280 to pick 281. Like he plummeted for obvious reasons. He was damn near a top 100 guy. He goes all the way down to 281. You were getting him later than that. Talk to us a bit about uh, how you feel about Framber Valdez now that this update comes through. I mean, I'm feeling pretty good about taking him in the 30th round of TGFBI and the 30th round of the Barfly. I wish that that had happened in. Uh, you know, money, you know, big money leagues. <laughs> sure. But, I mean, I'll take the added bonus where I can. I mean, it was just a matter of, there was no news. He clearly want, wanted to try to pitch. Otherwise, he would have gotten the surgery. Um, and the team is, you know, you know, now that it seems like it's healing, the team is going to let him pitch. Now, you're probably going to have to hold, I'm probably going to have to hold him, you know, on my IL and barf and then just kind of on my reserve list in TGFBI for, a little bit, because my guess is he's probably still going to miss a month. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, yeah, this was a guy, like, it's funny because we were just talking about this with another guy that I think we're going to, uh, yeah, we're going to mention here in a minute. Um, but, you know, like, I did my SP ranks, or I did an update to my SP ranks, which are, can be found over on uh, uh, Fangraphs. Uh, and I dropped Framber Valdez from 33 to 105. Um, and now I'm going to have to move him right, back, move him right up. back up. <laughs> I mean, not all the way up to, uh, definitely not going to be all the way up to uh, 33, but Correct. I mean, he's, he's going to be probably just kind of eyeballing it. I think I've got an injury risk tier um, with like Mike Soroka at around 76 through like 80. So he'll probably jump up around there. So maybe 20, 25 spots. Um, Are you being moved at all on Soroka, by the way? Cause um, he's pitching. 
Is he? I, I honestly hadn't seen that. Yeah, and you know, I shared in. I'm not putting this on you. I shared in the in the major concern. Oh wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. he threw a simulated game. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought he was like in game games. Brian Snitker, Snitker told reporters that he's unsure if Mike Soroka will make a spring training start, but he is on the mound, which is even more than I really thought. But I, I actually I thought it was like a sanctioned spring training game. He threw simulated game or scheduled to throw a simulated game on Saturday. Okay, okay, but um, that that grew out of some pushback on like, what what? Why are y'all concerned about Soroka? And I was like, well, I don't. I think I, I think I should be concerned about Soroka. The Achilles is nothing to mess around with. Anyway, I didn't mean to take it off Valdez there. But, but I mean, um, as far as Soroka goes, like I understand the pushback, and I mean, I was, I I am very very low on him this year, which is. Funny considering how high I was on him the previous two seasons, um, you know, coming into drafts and stuff. Uh, I mean, I was much higher than the majority of the industry previously. But, I mean, the thing is with Soroka, like, we don't know when he's going to be back, um, which is obviously concerned. And because he does not offer huge strikeout upside or really any strikeout upside, um, he, he needs volume in order to accumulate strikeouts and, and have a lot of value for your team because the value comes from him racking up a lot of innings and giving you really good ratios, right? Mm-hmm. If he's going to miss a fair amount of time and we don't know what he's necessarily going to look like when he's back on the mound because of the injury, like, how valuable does he become? Like, I mean, how is he any more valuable than, like, Brad Keller? Um, yeah, no, I, I understand. I understand because he's got so much riding on the ratios that, you know, if there's a little bit off, you know, cause he doesn't have, he doesn't have the, uh, the strikeout potential there mm-hmm. for Soroka. And so you're not getting that kind of like foundation off rip. And what if he's more like he was in his 13 and two thirds of 2020, small sample, tiny three mm-hmm. starts. But 395, 132, he wasn't pitching that poorly, but he was not himself, and that's where it was. So I understand the concern. I like him, but for me, I need I, I need to see something more than than what we currently have there with Mike Soroka to make me really dive in. So I'm with you having him down there. I'm also going to move Valdez back up a little bit. I moved him down to 109. I'll probably put him in the low to uh, mid-90s which is an injury tier where I've got like the TJ guys because mm-hmm. um, they're going to miss a month as well. And we don't know that this doesn't like flare back up too, but it is inherently good news uh, and it will push the price back up. He does not need the surgery right now. And that's the important part with Fromber Valdez. Mm-hmm. This one's a little tough and honestly, maybe it'll, it'll even out the price a little bit more uh, because Cattell Marte, has his believers, including our own Eno Saris, our own good friend, I should say. He doesn't work for us anymore. Get out of here. You're fired. I fired him, personally. Yes. I said, you know what? Leave. Nobody hire him. And then the Athletic underhandedly hired him. Made me look foolish. Took all my power. Um, <laughs> but no, he really likes him. He's, he's buying back in on the uh, on the rebound. And listen, the, the, a hit tool profile, I have no problem buying it. Like I, I love Cattell Marte. The breakout was super fun. I just felt like the discount wasn't there enough yeah. uh, for what he had done. And with with 20, and I, I really am trying to check myself when I talk out of both sides of my mouth about going hard on somebody's 20 versus giving a pass to another guy, uh, even though it is case by case. 
I don't want to put too much into it. I am a little concerned about how much it looked like 18, though, meaning that like the, the power spike in 20 was, you know, a bit flukish. Mm-hmm. Well, now he's dealing with ankle soreness, and I wonder if that'll move him off that uh, that low 80s perch that he's been on. Um, and, and even higher. I mean, that's obviously just the average and push him down a bit outside the top 100. How are you reacting to this and how have you been judging or treating Cattell Marte in your drafts thus far? I mean, I've been treating him by not taking him. So, I, I mean, I, I have not been willing to pay the price. And I think there are, I mean, a lot of things at play here. I think some people are just over, you know, willing to overlook kind of the the power evaporation. I don't even want to call it a dip because it just disappeared last year. Um, and I, I totally am okay with people doing that because 2020 was just a super small sample. Uh, and he, you know, showed so much power, um, in 2019. Uh, my biggest concern is health and, you know, it's just, he has finished the last two seasons on the IL. Um, I think that, a big part of the power dip last year may have come because he wasn't healthy and he was dealing with kind of this reoccurring back issue that he's had. So now you add in an ankle injury. Yeah. I'm, I'm just not going to have him on any teams this year, especially considering the price. And I like Kettle Marte. I was a big Kettle Marte guy for a very long time, but I'm just not going to pay the price that we're seeing um, these last two years considering uh, kind of what he's been dealing with, with kind of, you know, they're, I don't necessarily want to call them fluky injuries, but they're, we're having consistent injuries now and they're, they're not major where he's missing a ton of time and he's obviously playing through a lot of it, but that's not always a good thing. Sometimes it's better to just go on the IL and get better as opposed to trying to play through, a, you know, a rolled ankle or a, you know, bulky back type thing. Yeah. For sure. Um, and one of the concerns I have about Marte and maybe some of his backers comforting themselves with uh, with his speed saying, well, you know, the power doesn't come all the way back. I got some speed. Do you? Yeah. Like he has 10 and 11. Those are his two high numbers. He can run. He, he's, he looks he's like fast. somebody who should have more. And I don't mean by his physical. I mean by his speed numbers and everything. They're there. But I think he's a great example that shows just how much um, a player decision goes into stealing bases. Mm-hmm. Because I just don't think he likes stealing bases. Because he's that. I mean, he's thirty nine. Um, he's thirty nine caught or thirty nine stolen, thirteen caught. So thirty nine for fifty two in his career. Only fifty two attempts in 591 games that that just seems light for somebody who's legitimately fast well and 19 of those stolen bases and what 28 of those attempts were in seattle like exactly 2015 2016 so like i don't think that like things are getting definitely not getting better in that regard and the stolen base is a lesser priority to mlb teams than they are to fantasy teams. And so like he wants to get paid. Um, and so he's like, well, stolen bases aren't the thing that's going to get me paid. It's, you know, hitting for average and, and power. Yeah. Yep. So, um, I mean, he, and he, he's signed to a long-term deal, so he doesn't necessarily have to worry about getting paid right now. But I think that obviously goes a little bit into the equation is you can get injured 
you know, stealing bases, and, you know, he just hasn't been, a, in spite of the fact that he's got good sprint speed numbers, and he has had, you know, last last season, his sprint speed was, uh, you know, in the 71st uh, percentile, 73rd the previous year to that, uh, 88th uh, percentile in 2018. Like, he's fast, for sure. And his 75% success rate says that he's good, good at, at it. it. But that doesn't mean he's going to do it. No, and we haven't seen that he that Cattell Marte will run at a high clip. So that's my concern there is that you don't even have that as a backup. Throw in some ankle soreness, and it's a little bit, a little bit of a, uh, little bit of a red flag here. I was already bypassing him at the price. Again, if it drops to a reasonable price for me, I guess the question would be what's reasonable, Paul. Um, again, outside the top 100 is what I need. And let's just play a quick little game here. And say, um, Cattell Marte or Alec Bohm? Alec Bohm at 109 in the last couple of weeks in the uh, uh, online championship. Okay. Uh, here's one. Your boy, uh, and I put that in heavy quotes, your boy Dansby Swanson. <laughs> um, I'm going to go Swanson. Okay, that's at pick 114. Mm-hmm. So we're moving down a little bit more. Um, and these are not necessarily like comparisons because you're still setting the foundation of your team. So I'm not trying to necessarily challenge you with two of the same player, just guys that you would put on your roster. Obviously, you know, if you already had a certain position, you might change things. But I'm not because uh, there's not a lot of second basemen who go around there. So that's why uh, I can't really get the great comparisons. He he should add outfield back quickly. Cattell Marte should. Looks like he's going to play the outfield to give him that second base OF, which is nice. But he doesn't currently have it. Well, I'm but here's base. the thing. Oh. I think this is one of the reasons his price continues to stay where it is. Because second base, yep. Because people don't like the drop off it, like kind of that first few but, tiers of second base. But like, I don't. He's part of it. He's yeah. part of the drop off. I want to convince people that he's part of the drop off because the average is there, sure, but the power and speed aren't necessarily. I think one might be the power might get back because he still crushes the ball and that's what keeps Eno bought in is the max exit velo for Cattell Marte but the speed is not so I think he's very much in that group that starts like Cattell Marte and runs through like Garrett Hampson and that's my 11 to 35 that you cannot put that much split on yes I would take Cattell Marte over Garrett Hampson but when you start working out the fantasy values if Hampson does play all year and steal 30 bases even if he hits 250 with 14 homers, 14, 30, 250, would you rather have that or, or 300, 12, 8? Yeah. Or 315, 8. You know, I'll go, I'll go higher on the power there. Mm-hmm. I would rather have Hampson, I think, even with the batting average. Right. But my, my point is is that it. I think people are misplaying second base if they're pushing guys up like McNeil and Marte. And I don't, I don't mind McNeil as much because that is some premium batting average, and, and Marte mm-hmm. can be too. But he has triple out, out, uh, triple eligibility as well for McNeil. But if you're pushing up certain guys there, I think you're just making them like, why would you push Marte up when Nick Solak's available? Or, or Andre Simonis, or yeah. Gene Segura, or Gene Segura for sure. Colton Gavin Wong. Wong. I mean, like these are all guys going eighty to a hundred picks later. That's what I'm saying. So, I'm yeah, saying. I, mean, so. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I like Kettle Marte. I always have. I hope he is uh, healthy and he proves me wrong. But I just, player. I just don't want to spend that kind of draft capital when I could be spending it on a starting pitcher or 
a hitter that I feel much more confident. Or closer. Yeah, or closer. Still, yeah. still getting the premium tier of closer there, and and before that drops off because that that drop comes quickly, and and painfully there. I mean, you know, it's already at Kirby Yates at pick one eighteen. Who talent wise, you're not too scared of, but how healthy is he? Mm-hmm. So even around, even if he does drop into the early one hundreds for Cattell Marte. There's still a lot of decisions to be made. That last one I was going to give you was uh, Matt Chapman, 119. Chapman or Marte. With no specific team needs in mind, you can take a second or a third baseman at that point. You're just going off player. I think I'm taking Chapman. I am too. I am too. I feel good about him. He looks great out there defensively. He was diving, Mm -hmm. making plays. I think the hip is good to go. Yeah, I'm actually going to move Chapman back up my third base ranks. Me too. Uh, I needed to see that that the hip was good. He started off as a DH, but once he got in there and he was playing, uh, he he's looked great. And I've been a huge fan of his now for a while, so I moved him back up a few spots. Speaking of which, um, we are you've both we've both kind of finished our like public ranks in terms of like being on the site and all that. So the only way you can get our updated ranks, uh, Paul is going to upload. Uh, both sets of our kind of live ranks on the Patreon. So those will be updated today. Um, so bought into that tier. It will be updated today, March 18th. And we will update them regularly. We'll put a little tab in the, or a little note in the corner there, last updated whenever. So if Justin goes in there overnight on March 20th, he can just update, say, I, I last updated. I'll pretty on much be moving things around daily at this point. That, so exactly. like, it'll be like the last. Like, when I'm doing an article, except for, I think, Wednesdays are the only day that I don't write. Um, but every other night, I'm writing till 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. So the last thing I'll do is take a visual glance at my rankings, take a look at the news, and see if I'm moving anybody up or down. The commentary probably isn't changing much on what's published, the little comments. Yeah, yeah. I'd... But we're adding to the outfield an SP mm-hmm. that was not on the site. So that's part of the Patreon there. You know, try to balance it, right? Obviously not put everything behind a Patreon, but also give something yeah. when people inve- invest in us like that. So we greatly appreciate that. That's patreon.com slash the sleeper and the bust. Um, appreciate everyone that's already come over there and, and and decided to join one of the tiers. We got the Jeff Samarja tier, the Tim Lincecum tier, the Kevin Gosman tier, Aaron Nola, Corey Kluber, the Kyle Gibson, which is $69 a month. I mean, that's perfect. Uh, and the Bryce Harper, that's that's 100. I mean, that's that's Bryce Harper. That's big. But that's uh, so I appreciate everybody who's already in there. We got a Discord going. The Discord will be popping. It's kind of I've I've already run a Discord before, and I saw when like when it first started, it's a little slow, and I was like, oh no, I don't know if this is working. It finds its it finds its groove, and we will be in there. Justin, I know you already been in there taking questions for Sunday episodes as the season starts as well. Put your team in there. You want someone to look at it? We'll we'll take a look. Try to give as many reviews as I can in there as well. So I just want to say this, the Patreon is you know, kind of in launch phase, but I don't want anyone to think that they're paying for something that they're not getting. So we will get that uh, situated with the live ranks up today, March 18th, and they'll be updated throughout the rest of the month and, and throughout the rest of the season, really. But the, the ones the rest of the month, obviously, will be what you're taking into your draft. All right, moving on. Jared Kelnick returns on Wednesday. I believe he was in a pinch hit status, but he got back into games after that adductor issue. Um, and so he's he's looking like he's ready to go. Does he break camp? 
because they don't have anywhere to send them except the alt site. And with all the consternation with the uh, Kevin Mather horse crap, uh, are they backed into enough of a corner that they that they have to take him? Because, I mean, he's ready. I'm saying they have to take him because he's ready, not not that they would take somebody who was not qualified. But he's he's ready to face Major League Pitching, right? I mean, I, I believe so. Yeah, um, I think they're going to be forced to. Um, you know, I had a conversation with Matt Thompson maybe a week or so, I think about two weeks ago like right after this kind of thing happened. And he said, like, everybody knows that these teams do this, right? Like, it's no secret. But it's not set. Like, we, they don't come out and say it, that they're, you know, holding these guys down because of service time uh, to gain the extra year. Um, but, like, every, obviously everybody knows what is happening, but you can't say it. And so the fact that the Mariners said it puts them in a real pickle not with uh, Kalenic or, you know, the organization, but with the other 29 teams. Because yeah. you've now just officially outed everyone. You didn't just out yourself. Yes. Um, Hold on, the entire league. So I think there's going to be pressure, and I'm sure there already is pressure, you know, behind the scenes from MLB, from all the other teams. For them to, hey, you know what, you fucked up. Now you're you would need to figure something out with this kid. Either you know if he's not going to sign a contract, and, and I mean that's where the, you know, uh, that's where the statement stemmed from was he didn't want to sign a long term deal because mm -hmm. he's betting on himself. Um, that they're going to have to like come to an agreement behind the scenes with Kalenic and be like, listen. You'll be up on opening day, but you're not allowed to file a grievance. Um, and they'll have and work some sort of deal out like that, uh, mm. you know, so that way it protects the integrity of what they do, but gets, you know, clinic off their back. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I don't know if that's actually going to happen because it's clear the Mariners are not doing things very intelligently. But that was what Matt said like he would think would happen. Some some sort of agreement. Hey, listen, we understand that you're pissed. We wanna you know, we wanna make you happier and we also don't wanna like, you know, be like the uh, black sheep of the organization. So let's let's do this quietly. You're up on opening day, um, and you don't file a grievance later on. Boy, I hope something comes comes to. Are you drafting him anywhere? Yes, Kelly? everywhere, absolutely everywhere. Yeah, I'm super open to it. I don't have him yet, but like, it, there's nothing about him not being on my board. Um, I, he's just, I just think he's ready. I know he has 21 games in Double A. That might have people cautious. I, I'm not. I think he's ready to be challenged by major league pitching, and I think he's going to meet that challenge. Um, you know, th this isn't a Bobby Witt thing. This is something that he's going to be up in 2021 at some point, no matter what. It's just a matter of how early. And I think the price is at such a level that, um, and now these back, it might start going back up. But in the last, uh, in the last 30 Rotowire online championship drafts, that's 310 to 318. Jared Kelnick is going one, uh, excuse me, pick 202. So j he's the 198th pitch picker. Uh, pick though and that's um it might sound weird it's like 
that's ranking the players in order and then their, their average draft positions. Like people can be tied with the same average draft position and stuff. So basically he's in that late 190s, early 200s range on average, but he has a min pick of 135, which puts him around Dom Smith, Will Myers, and Ramon Laureano. Ramon Laureano, by the way, tracking well, expected to be back next week. That's another little tidbit we got. So we'll loop that in here while we're talking about this. Can you pay that min pick for Kelnick? For the min pick for Kelnick? Yeah, would you pay that? I know you're a Will Myers Ooh. guy. What was, what was the min? Uh, the min's 135. With uh, That's right around Myers. Uh, Dom Smith, Myers, and Ramon Laureano. Those are the three outfielders closest to Kelnick when he goes in that min range. I don't think I'm going to pay the min. Okay. Um, I think that's fair. I mean, that's that's pretty – like, those three outfielders are really good. I like all three of those guys yeah. to outproduce him. Let's get a little bit further down. Let's say it's closer to 150 where it's teammate Kyle Lewis, uh, another youngster, Ryan Mountcastle, and Ian Happ. That's 150 to 162 range. Would you would you slot Kelnick in there? I would slot him in there. I still have Happ higher, but I would take him over teammate Kyle Lewis, and I would take him over Mountcastle. Okay. Which means you're probably taking him any further down, so we'll, we'll cut that there. Uh, so as high as 150, and I'm again, I'm with mm-hmm. that. I, I took can him get behind that if it fits my team construction. I'm taking Kelnick. I really hope I don't get a. I really hope I um, get a piece in draft season. I don't want to come out of draft season with nothing on the Jared Kelnick train because it's uh, it seems like a good one to be on. I mentioned that Ramon Laureano is tracking well and expected to be back next week. So are you still are, are you drafting him? Um, you know, he was a little bit disappointing last year. If you look, the trajectory of a season seems to match that he fell off when he got in that fight, when he tried to attack the entire Houston Astros uh, team. I, I, I don't know if that's causation or correlation. Like, did he get a nagging injury that just kind of, you know, um, nagged him, for lack of a better word, the rest of the year and, and ate up his stats? Because uh, he wasn't great. Six homers, two two steals, but a 213 average was the problem. 338 OBP, though. You love the OBP over 100 points higher than the batting average. Or excuse, yeah, than the batting average. Power was what was a little bit down. But I still like Laureano quite a bit going into his age 26 season. How about you? I, I like him okay. Um, the hard part is there's a lot of guys going around him that I like more. And I agree with that part, but I do think that the market has priced him pretty fairly. So it's it's that that double thing of like, I think this is a fair price, but sometimes I'm going to go Dom Smith, or sometimes I'm going to go Will Myers. You're a big Will Myers guy. Yeah. Do you have him over? I, um, I don't believe I do. I'm going to double check. Uh, I do not have him over Laureano. Okay. Um, but... Uh, I I do have like Victor Robles above him, um, you know. I'll probably with Fam playing and playing well, I'll probably move Fam above him. Uh, pretty sure. Just double checking my ranks as we speak. Um, you know, I've got Dylan Moore above him. Uh, okay. See, that's one I would challenge a little bit because I think they're kind of similar on the power speed bit. And I think Laureano's a better bet for batting average. Yeah, which, but Dylan Moore has uh, second base, base eligibility, which that helps. Yeah, that helps. Um, you, know, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a positional flexibility. I've side. got, I've got Jorge Soler going above above him. I've got Michael Brantley above him. Um, 
you know, all those are justifiable. I've, I've know, got Santander and Hap above him. I can't get behind Santander over Loriano. Yeah, I think I, I just if Loriano was healthy, I would like on my ranks on the site. I've got Loriano above Santander and Hap. Since moved it, but yeah, I I have uh, I. I actually haven't even moved him yet. I will be moving him just below them. So it was nice that Santander was kind of showing some stuff in 19 with a 216 ISO that that netted 20 homers in just 93 games. Mm-hmm. So I grant that um, I do like him, but it, it's just power and like a solid batting average. It's cool. It's Camden though. Yeah, so you, you can dream on like maybe maybe as high as 35 homers. Yeah. Does that sound crazy? Mm-hmm. I mean, what helps Loriano's case is the speed, right? Exactly. But that's where that's where I have. If him he's banged over. up, how much yeah. is he running? That's also a good point, and he has been starting to get banged up a little bit. So there is that push pull. Um, but good, good that he's tracking well. Expected back. Stay monitored on that. If you have a draft this weekend, try to catch a discount on Loriano and maybe maybe bypass it if you don't get the appropriate discount because he isn't he. You won't necessarily have been back by then. Uh, Carlos Carrasco, not expected to miss time. Not quite as similar to the uh, Fromber situation. In fact, not really at all, if I'm being honest. But it was similar in that he was moved down pretty quickly. People were cutting a good percentage off his his projections, moving him down a handful, 10, 12 spots in the pitcher rankings for Carlos Carrasco. And now he's not expected to miss any time. He's going to go right back up. Um, Did you move him down? At, at the first at the first blush of the uh, of the injury here, I did. I, I was struggling with it um, because I mean, here's the thing: this has happened to Carlos Carrasco multiple times throughout his career. Mm-hmm. He comes in, starts throwing in spring, has elbow soreness, gets shut down, and then he's fine. Mm-hmm. But it's still yep. scary, right? Because we're talking sure. about a guy who's going in top or was going inside of the top seventy five picks. Um, like when I, when I did my last update of my SP ranks, his ADP was 60. Um, and moved down to 83 since, uh, since then, but obviously with a huge split 55 to 128. So that news probably came somewhere within this time frame that I'm, that I'm looking at 310 to 318. Mm -hmm. Where where do you have Carrasco now? I had him, well, when I moved him down, I moved him from 17 to 27. Okay. Not exactly 10 spots. Yeah, and now he'll probably go back up maybe not to 17, um, but I mean, he's going to go close to back up to uh, probably my little injury risk tier of elite pitchers of Blake Snell, Tyler mm-hmm. Glass now, which is 1920. Okay. Um, so he'll probably go up to 19, and I'll push Snell down to 20, and Glass now okay. down to 21, and uh, Hyunjin okay. Ryu to 22. How dare you? How absolute dare you? Um, I actually, a small flex here, I didn't move him. I, st- I stood firm. I wanted to wait. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to wait. Left him at 21. Yeah, I, I think that's fine. Like I and I mean, I really like Carrasco himself this year. You Me know, too. Gonna He's going to do well with the Mets. Yeah, going to be in the National League with no TH. <laughs> oh yeah, you, um, you finally come to terms with it. Um, I still holding out hope, but like this is like oh, hope that like 
the hottest girl in school will accept my prom invitation. So exactly. really, really, really unrealistic um, hope, but hope nonetheless. Uh, but yeah, at this point, you've got to just plan for it to not be there. Um, so, you know, going to get to go against the pitchers, going to the National League where nobody has seen him, right? So, like, hitters are not going to be used to him uh, in, in the uh, National League East. So I like Carrasco quite a bit. Um, this year, uh, and, you know, maybe people will continue to fade him a little bit because of this, and uh, if that happens, I could definitely see him being, like, my SP2 or even SP3 on my main event team. I could see some residuals on the fall sticking with, uh, with Carrasco for sure. Will this next guy fall? Because he's been kind of a... a you know, spring darling. I think he actually fits some sleeper status here. I don't think it's necessarily a wide awake, but there is a lot of Zach Eflin love out there. Go and pick 175 over the last uh, over the last eight to, eight to nine days. Being scratched Friday with a back injury, and that's annoying. Uh, Manager Joe Girardi said he's a little concerned about the right hander. He's able to play catch, but just the back's flaring up, causing a problem. He's going to be skipped. How do we feel about this? And I guess where were you on Zach Eflin coming into the season to know uh, exactly what this move, uh, what this means as far as what move you might make with with Eflin? So I was confused on Zach Eflin. Um, And I mean, I'll be real honest. So like we talked about him back in November, December, I want to say. And I said like, okay, listen, I need to, because I was totally fading him. I wasn't buying in on the changes uh, that he made, um, and I definitely wasn't ready to, after a 60-game sample, be like, okay, he's going to build upon these changes, um, even if you buy them. And so, you know, we said, like, hey, you know, homework, we're going to go watch Zach Eflin. So I went back, and I spent time watching Zach Eflin, and I was really impressed. And uh, and I watched a few more starts uh, prior to my, or in between my first dropping of my ranks in my update, and I went, you know what? I'm kind of buying this hype. I I, I kind of believe I, I I like. I mean, the curveball's great, um, and so I moved him up like 25 spots. I had him at 73, moved him up to 48, and then this happened. <laughs> this is who, who I was so referencing earlier. <laughs> yeah, like literally dropped my ranks, uh, my SP ranks this week, and I think it was later that day the news comes out that is you know got you know back issue and he's going to miss his next start and I'm like oh great so like now I've got to move him back down he probably drops from 48 down to you know probably right about back where he was right around 73 okay Um, so you're sending him all the way back yeah I mean I just if I'm drafting this weekend um you know, this is this is you know this is going to be a big draft weekend. Obviously, next week will be a big draft weekend. Um, mm-hmm. Like there is typically your last drafts of the year are your most important, right? So, and for me, that's the case. It's Tout Wars, it's NFBC main event, um, mm-hmm. and I just I don't want to roster someone who has real concerns about their health, especially pitchers. So we just don't know how pitchers are going to react this year to, you know, the increased workloads. We, this could be a huge year for pitcher injuries. And um, mm-hmm. so why take the gamble on someone who's already injured? Um, unless, I mean, if the price 
is really, really low because other people are doing the same. You know, I may take the gamble super late, but I can't rationalize taking him over, I don't know, uh, uh, a healthy Dylan Cease. Oh, wow, you guys, okay, so yeah, you prefer Cease over him, okay. I mean, I prefer a healthy Elflin, but Elflin's not healthy. Now... Yeah, now that he's not healthy and Cease... I mean, Cease going at 311. Yeah. So you're just not taking Eflin right now. I, I don't know how you can. Like, I mean, it's, you know, we... I, I mean, I know there are some people who super bought in on the changes. Go listen to the most recent um, Pull Hair podcast with Rob Silver, where he mm-hmm. talked about, like, you know, just, like, in context of 2020 and the small samples, like... You know, he his swing strike rate went up on the curveball. But if you really break it down into, like, the actual numbers of it, that means he got eight more swings and misses on his curveball. That's it. A total of eight. It, but it, because it's such a small sample pitch and then a small sample season, it's, you know, it looks like a really big game. But it's eight pitches. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You that's... know? And it, it, Sometimes you, we really need to put these into into counts mm-hmm. and to get a better handle on on what it is. Percentages can can really make things sound better than it is. And then, es- and then especially you realize, when like, we're oh. dealing, yeah, we're dealing with like these tiny samples. Like, yep. it is a pitch he threw. I think thirteen percent of the time, the swing strike rate went up on it. You know, a fair amount, but it, that was eight. That was because of eight pitches. Like that. Like, we don't even know who those eight pitches were against. I mean, I could, you know, spend the hours upon hours figuring it out. But, yeah, I'm not going to do that. And so, like, I, you know, I'm still kind of unsure if this breakout, you know, we kind of started to see last year is legit. And now you throw in a back injury, and I just, I'm not going to take the gamble. Maybe by, you know, my last main event draft, we'll have more information, and maybe I'll be back in. But uh, at this moment... Like I said, I've got him 48, but like as we're talking, I'm dropping him down to 72. Okay. I mean, that's fair. Um, I have him in the late 60s, so I'm just going to leave him, obviously. Or, or mid uh, early 60s, excuse me, 63. I might pop him a couple spots lower. I'm, I'm, my my Jordan, Jordan Montgomery love is, is sparking again. Um, never really left, but I'm just... I'm really- I've never been there. I'm finding myself interested in him big time this year. And, you know, I got to be honest, too. Shitty person, at least for very <laughs> shitty act. But I'm drafting Domingo Herman, too. And I know, yeah, I know that's we talk one about I'm this. And, more in on. You know, it's uh, I, I have no issues with anybody who cuts out those guys completely. But I, I, I do not. And um, I would feel it's kind of hypocritical for me to fade a shitty person. When you yourself are so yeah, exactly. I mean, oh, okay. yeah, it just doesn't make a ton of sense for me to fade a shitty person, me being a shitty person myself. So like, yeah. I just yeah. yeah, I mean, like, I'm not gonna invite him over for dinner. Like he's yeah. like I, I'm not gonna introduce him to my sister or something like that. But correct, correct. Yeah, and, I mean, you know, again, he can pitch for my fantasy team. I I understand that uh, that people can play how they want. I'm just saying. I am indeed drafting him. Um, but that's where Zach Eflin is right now. Devin Williams expect, expected to pitch on Saturday, so he could be pitching in the midst of drafts on Saturday. Do you think that raises his price even more now that he'll be back? Absolutely. Uh, and so that's 
a little nerve-wracking. He's going 176. Uh, that's a that's actually not a bad price. I thought he was going mm-hmm. much higher. No, well, I mean, um, I think he's but, dropped quite a bit. Yeah, now he will be. Um, Jordan Hicks and Richard Rodriguez were just above him in ADP, as was Zach Eflin. Um, do you think he starts going in like the one? Could he go by Nick Anderson at 148? Yeah, I think he will. I think he'll probably go ahead of Anderson. That's insane. Yeah, I think I think he's going to be one of those guys um, that we see. Like, there's always like these. Like when you look at like the NFBC main event ADP, mm-hmm. that like you go whoa, and he'll be one of those guys. He'll be he'll be, he'll be one of those guys where like you go whoa whoa what the hell happened here, and this is like for people who don't play NFBC like these are the kind of ADPs like do not look if you're not playing in the main event don't worry about the main event ADP like just don't 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 look that, at that- it really is fair mm-hmm. you would think that that would be the best one to look at no. but the way it's played especially with the overall component mm-hmm. and that being high it stakes is, it's a whole different you know so many different factors like yeah. kind of playing in on it that are not going to give you i think there's some value info. i think there's some value to to looking at the nfbc adp if you're playing in yahoo if you're playing um in espn if you're playing in cbs because you are, that is an ADP built by people who are paying money. They're mm-hmm. going to take it seriously the whole way through, which we know in leagues, you know, normal leagues, there are a lot of people who are going to draft those leagues and then never, never look at their team again. Um, or that aren't really up on, uh, you know, what's going on. So like, I think there's value to using the NFBC ADP for your home league, for, you know, your, your ESPN, your Yahoo league. But when you start looking at like the ADP or giraffes for main events, for supers, for any of these like big money and that they're not applicable to your league. If, unless you're playing in those leagues yourself. I agree. I think it's really difficult to, to take that. Whereas the Rotowire online and the draft champions can give you a good idea and you can glean some things from it, maybe about some risers and fallers and, some folks that you might need to approach differently, but yeah, once you get to the main, like people are just going to take their guy. And I, I think we still, even with a lot of people's understanding, like I'm not going to be a slave to ADP. I'm going to be careful how much credence I give it. We still lean on it too much as like, a, well, you took him here and it, and this is his average without giving consideration to min max. Mm-hmm. Like it's the average. Yes. But what's the highest somebody took him. And, I, I think that that matters too, but I don't want to get into a whole ADP combo because we have one more bit of news and then we got to get into these biggest ADP movers down uh, since uh, in March here. So Jose Quintana has nine, nine and two thirds scoreless innings in spring. I was already kind of in on him as just a late guy who can get a boatload of innings on a decent team who is a decent pitcher. Nothing that's like winning me my league or anything like that, I don't believe. But I've loved Quintana since his White Sox days. I just find him a nice stabilizing force. It's a little bit different now. It used to be like a nice mid-threes, one-twos whip sort of stabilizing force. It's probably now a high threes, low fours with with a little bit of a higher whip. And and that could be a little bit of a concern, to be quite honest, because a 132 whip, if he does make it uh, 200 innings, you need to be careful with that, to be honest. So... But the way you're drafting him, he doesn't, you're not necessarily getting all of his innings. Uh, you're seeing if he can get back on track. 
and and be the guy he was with the White Sox and early with the Cubs. And if he isn't, then maybe you're not playing him as much. But I like Quintana because he's so cheap and he's proven uh, and he's having a good spring. So I don't want to go too crazy on the spring numbers, but I wanted to bring it up. I took him at 420 in my latest beat, Paul Spore. Mm-hmm. Um, which, I mean, come on. There's no world where that's hurting me. That's literally my last pick. So what do you think of Quintana? Uh, 354 ADP. Nobody's really in on him. I don't think that these spring training numbers are going to move the needle that much. I just wanted to point it out to talk about him. Do you like Quintana as a last uh, as a last pick type that uh, is boring but stabilizing potentially? I do, um, and I probably need to move him up my ranks to kind of uh, reflect that a little bit. I ranked him at 144. Okay, um, yeah, it's probably too low. But here's the thing with Quintana. Um, he's going to pitch innings. And exactly. how many guys are going to do that? I mean, I know last year was 10 innings, but it was just a weird season. Like, cut his finger or something, right? Like, I just like oh, missed yeah, time because of that. Um, I think he was, like, playing a fish Quintana. or something. I can't remember, but... Prior to that, 171 innings, 174 innings, 188 innings, 208 innings. I mean, he's just a horse. And how many guys are going to be a horse this year? Yeah, again, he is so proven that if he's just if he's just doing his job, pitching well enough, I don't see how they take him out of the rotation. Like, yeah, I, unless he unless he gets. Honestly, he has to get. I think he would have to get substantially worse than even 2019 when he had a 468, 139. Now you don't want that on your team, clearly. But honestly, but look the, at the, the FIPs and XFIPs for those seasons. Like the exactly. FIP in 2019 was 380. The X or the FIP in 2018 was 443. The FIP in 2017 was 368. Like so, maybe this is a guy that doesn't match up with his underlying stats all the time, but like I think he, you know, the, the 468 was, ex- he was extremely unlucky. He kept his home run rate to 1.05 per nine. Uh, the walk rate was like the best in recent memory. Like he, mm-hmm. in 2019 he looked like himself. Um, and, and he had, like he looked really good down the stretch for a bit. Mm-hmm. Like Getting into the dog days of 2019, I remember this vividly, and I'm going to look up the numbers to back it up. But he'd gotten on a really hot run and then uh, derailed in September. Yeah, here it is. It was an 11-start run from June 29th to August 30th for Jose Quintana. And he had a 308 ERA with 63 strikeouts and 64 and a third. He was looking like himself. He was a waiver pickup um, in shallow leagues because to that point he had like a 450 ERA. So, you know, he was falling off in eight and 10 team leagues, maybe even some 12s to be quite honest, uh, because the whip was high. So he was kicking butt. Unfortunately, he burned those folks down, down the, the real backstretch there in September with an 1109 ERA, which included two starts against Pittsburgh. How are you going to do that? How are you going to let Pittsburgh ruin your season there? But so, you know, that's a sour taste. And even the uh, even San Diego in 2019 was 70 and 92, and they whooped him up too. Mm-hmm. So he finished poorly there, then just gets the 10 innings because of injuries last year. But I'm just seeing such a late pick here for a guy who has uh, such a proven track record of quality 
that I, I'm, I'm taking the chance that I can get back and, and maybe get into the mid to high threes ERA. It's certainly not out of bounds to find that uh, that rejuvenated season from him. He's only 32. It's not crazy for Quintana. Yeah, I just think, I mean, at worst, you're getting a guy who's going to put up a lot of innings, which I think you know, there are going to be a lot of teams that don't make their innings requirements this year in fantasy. And oh, so, man, I, I could definitely see people struggling and having to pick up whomever off the yeah. wire just to get there. So, you know, and you don't want to be just blowing your ratios no. late in the season. So I don't mind taking the gamble on Quintana, putting him on my reserve list, and being like, okay, I'm going to wait and see how he does the first few starts, or if he's got some good starts, you know, through the early part of the season, go ahead and use him. But just kind of seeing, because I think he's, you know, he's in this rotation in Los Angeles, which is filled with a bunch of injury risk, right? Mm-hmm. And he could potentially be that horse that helps kind of carry the team, you know, through the season when other when other guys are, are struggling with injuries. So I agree. I, I, I you know, like I said, I, I've got him at 144. I, I'm just kind of quickly eyeballing it. I'm going to move him up to 116. One Okay, that's um, I have him at one oh six, um, in between Cal Quantrill and Chris Archer. Mm-hmm. So check out that trio there. You got the upstart youngster in Quantrill. You got the crusty vet who's probably just going to give you quality innings, and then you got a one-time great trying to get back in Chris Archer. You kind of yeah. run the gamut there with those with those three, um, and I have. Rush Stripling 116. So you have in Quintana, like I got no problems with that. Like that's, you really start to get globby once you get past yeah. the top 100 there. So yeah, just an idea. Um, I know some people only want to take high upside guys uh, and they think high upside automatically means youth. There is high upside with a Quintana pick. There's also does, a pretty good floor. Yeah. But the, like the upside is getting back to 2016. I know that, mm-hmm. I know we're years removed from that. But if he went back to a 321-16 whip, it would not be that surprising because the, the core skills are still there. Um, the velo is not far from what it was, 92-1 to 91-4. It's not like he's such a different pitcher that he can't get back there. There can be upside with veterans, and that is something that I think people even, need to Even if he just understand. gets back to 2018, where it was a 4-year-A, um, you know, and under a strike, just under a strikeout and inning, um, like that's a valuable pitcher if he's going to be able to throw 160, 170 innings. Especially as what I call a team streamer, which is a guy that you're streaming from reserve to your starting lineup, not streaming to then cut. Um, so I think he's a good team streamer, Jose Quintana is. And maybe you skip him against Houston. And maybe you skip him if he's got a, a jaunt to the Central to play Minnesota in Minnesota. Or something. You know, try to avoid some of the def- more difficult teams. And it doesn't always work that way. I just outlined how he f- flopped against crap- crappy teams in, in 19. But you can maybe manage it down to, to something in the threes if he's at that 403 mark. Bottom line, we like Quintana. We gave him a lot of love there. Take him late in your drafts. And it's worth a shot. All right, biggest ADP movers down. We already talked about the top one for Amber Valdez, so we will not go back into that. But I'm looking at October 1st through February 28th as one set versus March. March 1st through, and I took these on the 15th, so I have not updated these uh, since then. And the the biggest movers down, 
minus 174 for Valdez to 281. We talked about Will Smith, the reliever, minus 75 picks to 173. And I think that's just kind of the market really saying, hey, stop doing this. Why was he a top 100 guy? Um, because it's not like they just added Chris Martin. He was always there. I think people just started to realize, wait a minute, he's not free and clear on this. Or were, were people taking him thinking it was the catcher? <laughs> why, why did, I mean, why did maybe. he drop that much, though, based on, like, he should be down here. I have no problem with that. But why was he top 100? Uh, because I think people looked at the contract and went, you know, there's no reason he they're not going to make him the closer. And, I mean, the, the bottom line is Chris Martin's really good. Yeah, um, and he's a righty. And there's more mm-hmm. righties than lefties. Well, not in, not here. <laughs> not in Atlanta. Um, remember, Atlanta's well, yeah, got, yeah, like, no, no, all the... batters and lefties. Yeah, okay. But, yeah. But Sorry, I thought... Point, there's lefties in the bullpen that, because mm-hmm. part of the lefty bias for closers that we've talked about before is that there's not another guy there that they can turn to with confidence to get that one solo yeah. at bat. In but the they same have AJ Minter and Grant Dayton and Tyler Batsick. Like they've got they've got some guys. I think this is a timeshare, like at least to start the year. I think this I is think so this is the you know fifty fifty kind of thing. Um, yep. And if it if it does lean one way or the other, I mean Martin being the righty likely means he gets more opportunities. But I think this is going to be, they're going to play matchups and they're going to, these guys are going to share it at least from the get-go. And then the play on the field is going to be what determines who gets it. So give me, you know, I think what is happening is people are like, well, give me the guy who's cheaper, which is Chris Martin. So Chris Martin by a lot. Mm -hmm. Even with this move down from Will Smith, Chris Martin's 303. Uh, I'm taking that all day. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's an open and shut case there for me. I'm not even taking Will Smith, really. Uh, Victor Reyes has dropped 56 points to 273. I think this is upon the realization, maybe looking at roster resource and understanding that he might not be starting. Yeah. Um, in fact, it's, it's looking like he's the, the, the fourth man there, Jacoby Jones being the, the primary guy to take his spot, but the additions of Robbie Grossman and Nomar Mazzara pushing him further out of the picture as a potential starter because Grossman and Mazzara kind of have, you know, proven MLB track records, not of overwhelming production, but they're getting the opportunity. So I want to use this not only to ask you about Reyes, but also about Jacoby Jones, who is like a draft afterthought. And if he's starting, I mean, isn't he pretty good? Like he doesn't even go in Rotowire Online Championship Leagues. Yeah. Um, That's Jacoby Jones I'm talking about, and Victor Reyes still is. Yeah, I mean, the question becomes, like, how much playing time does everybody get, right? Yeah. Um, And that's a question I just don't really know the answer to. And he's going to, I mean, Jones is going to be batting, it looks like, at the bottom of the lineup. It's not an awful lineup. Like, it's not... The, it's not the way it's been characterized in the past with Detroit, but it's still yeah. not a good lineup that you sure. want to be hitting at the bottom of. So like, no, 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 no. But it has major leaguers in it, and I, I wonder. I don't know that he's stuck down there, Jacoby Jones, though. Because what if Candelario's not real? No, what if uh, yeah. Castro's not real. I, All uh, of a sudden, they start moving Jacoby up to number two. I like Candelario and Castro, to be quite honest, but I'm also trying to. But, well, and here's the thing, though. I mean, my counter to that is, do the Tigers care about winning? 
Like, they may just leave Willie Castro up there because, you know, and Candelari up there because they're, they're, they want to give these guys real run to either figure out if they're part of the future or part of a trade package somewhere. Sure, that, that's fair. And that's Jacoby fair. Jones isn't getting them anything. Like, in the trade market, more than likely. Nah, he's getting so, a premium prospect. You're nuts. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, I mean, I think Jacoby Jones is probably, I mean, unless, you know, injuries always can change things. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and move he's him up. for a double-double, though. Yeah. Uh, you know, Victor Reyes, I'm looking right now at Mike Curlin's little lineup sheet. He's playing about halftime, maybe a little bit less. So that's probably what he's gonna be. Um, he could clearly find his way into more playing time. Reyes can you're saying? Yeah, Victor Reyes oh, can. Yeah. So oh, like yeah. I I I'm not completely fading him, okay. but he's more likely kind of just a reserve pick or uh, kind of a guy I flag on my my watch list in most yeah, formats. My concern is is the price paid for somebody who. It's the speed that's doing it, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I get I get that interest in Victor Reyes because of that. I'm I'm kind of surprised that he can't find his way in here. And it, it is Mazzara, a guy. <laughs> interestingly enough, a guy I've really liked in the past that uh, that that's doing a lot of the blocking here to not have Jones and Reyes in the lineup together. So we'll see we'll see how it goes. I do I don't want to pass on Reyes completely just because he set up to be a fourth outfielder. You can get a lot of playing time as a fourth outfielder mixing in and and none of uh, Robbie Grossman, Nomar Mazzara, and Jacoby Jones are going to perma-block somebody who's playing well. So Victor Reyes is is doing his thing and playing at, at, at a peak level, which he didn't last year. He was a 91 WRC+, plus, only 100 the year before that. But if he's doing his thing out there, I think he'll find enough playing time to be a nice little steals asset. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of can you afford to put him out there every day to get those steals because you're not getting a ton else. My pre- that's, that's the question. My prediction would be, and I mean, obviously someone will, but I think it's much more likely that between Nomar Mazzara, Jacoby Jones, and Victor Reyes, that nobody gets like 500 play appearances. Um at least, between who? Uh, Re- Victor Reyes, Nomar Mazzara, um, and Jacoby Jones. Okay, okay. you like, didn't say Grossman. Because I, I think Grossman yeah, no, Grossman, Grossman's, Grossman's playing you. every day, and he's leading yep. off. Grossman's a super underrated asset. Um, uh, especially to just get on base every and day. Runs. And Like, he's going to get runs, and he can steal. Like, he's not super fast. But, like, if you look at, like, Robbie Grossman's numbers from last year, yeah. you're going to be surprised... Uh, that and he's he was eight and eight, and if you put yeah. six hundred and fifty plate appearances on that, and he was six and nine the year before, nice. Yeah. Um, you know, you start to look at six hundred plate appearances, steal fifteen bases. Yeah, like, he could go fifteen, fifteen. Yeah, in fact, you just add nineteen and twenty together at six hundred seventy-four plate appearances, fourteen homers, seventeen steals, two forty-one average. Um, it's eighty runs, sixty ribbies. He's going to be an accumulator <laughs> that. You like you look at his stats week to week, and you go, eh, whatever. And then you but look at, the at what year, end of the year you go, oh my god, this guy returned you know seven more dollars in value than yeah, I drafted like, him at. It'd be like the thirty eighth outfielder for some reason. You just be like, dang, you, you're going to be like, how? And yeah, he's yeah. 
But the other guys, I think this is going to be each guy plays four to five games this season. Or, sorry, a, a week. week. Yeah. Um, Absolutely agree. Un- unless there's an injury that, or someone is just truly atrocious. But even if they are truly atrocious, the Tigers may just be like, hey, we want to hire Beck. We're going to run out these truly atrocious guys. True. True, because next year they really need to start turning the corner. This year, catch one more busted pick. Uh, next up is Jake Diekman, minus 55 to 337. This is as straightforward as Trevor Rosenthal. Yeah, that's, that's, that's all it that's is. That's really it. Um, Cole Calhoun, minus 55 to 333. This is pretty straightforward, too. Injury. Injury. Yeah. He got hurt. And so um, I guess we'll we'll use this to discuss a little Josh Rojas, though, because he's having a big spring, and it does clear a path for him. Mm-hmm. Um Cole Calhoun wants to return before May, but they're looking at a four to six weeks on him. Um, so that, that could take him into May. That's a month. That's like a month runway there for Rojas. And even when gross, even when Calhoun comes back, doesn't necessarily mean the end for Rojas if he was performing well because he can bounce around so much. So are you taking Josh Rojas on the, on the, the steam of both his big spring and the injury to Calhoun? Um, I haven't been, um, and you know, like this is one of those situations where I not, you know, I'll totally caught. To, I kind of forgot about Josh Rojas. Yeah. Um, I didn't even rank him in my second base ranks. Um, and that's a mistake that I will fix. Chamberlain is livid. Yeah, and because I was on Josh Rojas, I spent money on him in Tout Wars NL last year, mm-hmm. um, and you know, and kept him on my reserve list for way too long, um. So, like, I actually like Josh Rojas quite a bit, uh, and I think that he, uh, and I just kind of, I think this is one of those situations we talk about all the time, and typically we're, we're talking about the rest of the industry doing this, but a, a prospect with, you know, some pedigree disappoints, and the industry just wipes him off, and, and I kind of did that with Rojas. Um, but right now, Ross Resource has him projected to play second base, in a strong side platoon and hit fifth in this lineup. Um, and he's it, a power speed guy. He, he broke yeah. through there with Houston, then was part of the Granky trade, and hasn't been great in his opportunities. But I, I, I'm not out. I, I'm actually here for this with Josh Rojas. I think there's an opportunity at age 27 to kind of solidify for a bit and and show off his skills. I, I don't think he's a 54 WRC plus. I feel confident in yeah. saying that. So like I'm I'm looking at my second base ranks right now and I think I'm going to put him 38th. Um Oh my god, that's literally where I have him. And I moved him up because I had him low as well based on playing time and I was saying something like I like him but it's just it's just too squinched for time. Put him as a watch list guy. This was before anything happened. Then once the Calhoun injury happened, his big spring, I moved him up and I got him 38 right behind Brendan Rodgers. Yeah. Guy. I like both those guys. Yeah, I got to move up Brendan Rodgers too, but I have him right behind Tommy Listella. Um, I need to move Listella up too. I was, I'm obsessed with Listella. I have him so much higher than that. I'm thinking I should probably move him down, but I have Tommy Listella at 21. He's one of those guys too, like in, in Barf and Tout because they're on base percentage leagues. Like he gets such a huge bomb. Yeah. Um, like I, I took him. I believe his power gains too, at least to a degree. Like, um, yeah, I don't so worry we'll about the gate being open. Plays. Yeah, San Francisco is not going to play as hitter friendly this year. It's Correct. not going to play as gonna... pitcher friendly as it did in 2019. But I would assume it's closer to that than it was to like I think he played as the seventh best hitters park last year. Yeah, it's going to be that, more uh, like door, right. 
Yes, yeah, the gate closed. No, yeah, they closed the it, and so there's the a jet stream that helps keep the ball in the yard yes. coming of, coming from right field, um, and that is going to be open because they've said that they're planning on having people in the seats for games mm-hmm. at the second week of the season. Okay, so so that'll start to uh, that'll start to close that that little area off. But um, yeah, I, I I'm gonna move Listella down a little bit there just based on that chatter. But yeah. Cole Calhoun down because of injury, understandably, probably should be down a little bit more. It's a guaranteed month. I mean, I know he's been hitting for some pop lately, but uh, I don't know. I'm just a little concerned about it. Uh, Jerkson Profar, minus 50. That has to be the Haseon Kim move specifically, uh, adding to the mix of of players that were already there with Jake Cronenworth. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just people realizing that he doesn't have a full-time role. Prior to that, there was an expectation, I imagine, in the fall that He's going to go somewhere as a free agent yeah. and be a starter. So he was minus 50 to 307. Like I said, that's because there's a three-way play play there with Cronenworth, Kim, and Profar, how that playing time breaks out. I'm still on my boy Crony, but um, I actually like all three, to be quite honest, but it's difficult. Obviously, I'm not trying to roster them all on one team or even really two. I'm kind of getting a piece here and there. But I understand why Profar move doesn't really – Surprise me. Do you take Profar at 307? By the way, let's just put Hasian Kim in here because he's yeah. down to minus 48 to 262. That's because when he was signed, okay, he's going to play second. Yeah, that hurts Cronenworth, but he's fine. But now Profar jumps back into the mix and also affected Kim. So how do you play out that whole thing? Might as well talk Jake Cronenworth if you have a good feeling on him. How are you playing out between those three, and are you drafting any of them? I haven't really been drafting any of them recently. And I mean, I was big on Haseon Kim coming into like draft season before he got signed. And then, uh, right after he got signed, because I, I felt the same way. Like, sorry, Cronenworth, you're going to, you're going to play everywhere and, and get your at bats that way. But I think this is Kim's job. Uh, but the resetting of Profar was like, Oh, okay. Well, now it seems like it's a timeshare for everybody type thing. Yep. Uh, which is frustrating. And Kim has been somewhat brutal in, in spring training. Um, okay. And so, like, I honestly think there's a chance he doesn't make this team. Uh, and that they, the alt site? and that they put him at the alt site, works on him with, uh, things. Um, that being said, I believe in the skills and the talent. Um, but, you know, it's a different game going from Korea to here. You're going to see velocity you've never seen before. You're going to see movement on breaking pitches you've never really seen before. Um, and so, like, I think there is probably an adjustment period. But I do believe, I don't know how well the power is going to play long term. Mm-hmm. But he's already shown in spring training he can take a walk. He's going to have a high on base percentage. I do believe that the hit tool will translate fairly well and that he'll hit for a good average and a really nice on, and then have a really nice on base percentage because of that. And I think he's going to steal bases. I think he's, you know, I think he's going to steal quite a bit. The question becomes, what does the early season playing time look like? And, um, how long does it take him, uh, to kind of adjust at the major league level? So. Sure. I think he's a guy that if he falls too far in a draft, I'll take the gamble. Um, you know, but I think he's going to be a guy that could potentially win people leagues late in the season. Um, but it's not going to be the people who drafted him. Oh yeah. People 
getting he's, tired of he's, it. Moving he's on. gonna be the Campbell. 2019 version of Garrett Hampson. Oh my gosh! Which is a good way to people drafted it. him. They end up having to drop him because he's either not getting enough playing time, or he doesn't even make the team, or he's bad when he plays. Or he's yeah, he's bad when he plays. Bad when he was. Um, and then all of a sudden he starts getting accustomed to things, and then he's hitting enough home runs to matter. So the the bat's not being you know just blown out of his hand. Um, he's mm-hmm. getting on base a ton because he can walk, uh, and I think you know probably close to a ten percent clip. Um, and he's stealing a crap ton of bases. Uh, and so, like, I think he's one of these guys that people at the end of the season, the people are going to be really stoked on next year, but there's a reason they shouldn't be stoked on him in this moment. Just be ready to grab him if things start moving his direction. Yeah, see, I, I've already got some Kim from the early mm-hmm. part of the draft season. Me too. Um, as bummed as I, I was that it cleared the obvious and, and like, protected path for Cronenworth, it also brought the price down a good bit, mm-hmm. and and it that price was starting to really push up to where I thought I was going to have to miss out a little bit on my guy. Just triple eligible, two thirty two ADP for Cronenworth. I still love his skills. Jake Cronenworth, just a named starter and leadoff hitter. No, Carlos Carrasco strained his right hamstring during uh, conditioning work after he threw live BP. He's going to get an MRI. Bro, stop. It's it's like. Like, it's just, just insane. Like, this is, like, the, the frustration of doing ranks and stuff, this is why some people say they refuse to do ranks. Like, yeah. it, it's, you know, I, yeah. I moved him from 17 to 27, then back up to, like, while we were talking, I moved him back Literally up, and now, I, and I, now I'm going to have to move him back down. Like, it's, oh my like, we, we've been recording for an hour and 11 minutes, and now, like, in the course of that hour and 11 minutes, I have had to move him pretty much three times. <laughs> oh, that's wild. It really is. I mean, I, I wish that I'm not laughing at the injury. Obviously, I don't want him to be hurt. I like Carrasco. I hope everything's okay. But, man, that is. That's that being said, okay. it's not an arm injury. It's not that's like, good. you know, and so, like, if he drops a, a considerable amount, like, and that's your one stash, you know. Or you have an IL spot because you're in leagues with IL spots, uh, like that's like uh, and it's I, not even guaranteed that he's going to go to the IL, right? I'm yeah, check it out. So you know, if you I mean, it, at this point, it would feel news. like just he won't have time enough time to get ready. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. I'm moving him down. I am. I'm, I held steadfast on the first news just to kind of play wait and see, um, but I'm moving him down here probably, probably to about thirty. Yeah, I. He'll be with my boy Frankie Montas. Um, he'll be. I'm putting Montas him at and, 35. And You're going to 35, you said? Yeah, I'm going to put him behind. Um, put him behind Musgrove and Gosman. I'm certainly okay with that. For those of you who like get to like that are part of the Patreon and get to see these live ranks, I hope you get to actually watch me like as I'm doing it live. Oh yeah, (laughs) go into the Google (laughs) sheet. You're probably going to see us at some point. Mm -hmm. You're like randomly doing your research, like those little. Yeah, especially if you're a late night person, that'll be the time where I'm just like crazily moving things around. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, All right, 
couple more here. Michael Kopech minus 44. Oh, wait, hang on. I skipped J.D. Davis. Michael Kopech in a minute. J.D. Davis minus 47 to 283. I think this is similar to the Haseon Kim situation where uh, things have just gotten crowded and his status has dwindled because of that with J.D. Davis. Even though he is still seemingly in line for a full-time role, we know that he's awful defensively. And so if it if, if he's really playing at the lower end of his defensive capabilities, I think that will cost him playing time unless he's just absolutely dominating at the dish, which he didn't really as much in 20. He was mm-hmm. still good. Don't get me wrong. In fact, his OBP was higher, even though the average fell 60 points because he was walking like crazy with 14% rate. So he actually went from 369 to 371 in OBP, but the average went 307 to 247, and the power went 527 to 389 on the slug. So interesting little season there that was saved by the OBP for J.D. Davis. I think people kind of came to their senses, to be quite honest, because minus 47 moves them to 283, and the hype died down a little bit to now where I'm actually cool drafting J.D. Davis where he is. Mm -hmm. But before that, I was like, yo, this hype is wild. So, yeah, at, at this range, late 200s, I think he's perfectly draftable, um, even with the concerns. The, the concerns have now been put into his price. What do you think of J.D. Davis in New York? Yeah, I mean, I got my first share of Davis uh, this week in Raslam. Um, okay, so that's best ball. That's perfect. Yeah, it's kind of a L- perfect spot. Literally, oh, my God, sorry, sorry, sorry. Literally, as we're talking about it, I have the game on. And he made a bad play at third. Yeah. Um, here's, I mean, this is difficult because it doesn't, it seems like the Mets would like to prioritize defense a little bit more. Um, and that's why the talk about maybe Dom Smith doesn't play full time in left field becomes an issue. Uh, but like, do they have the players to do that? I mean, uh, especially at well, they have third. Pilar for the outfield, but then they also have VR. Yeah, VR sucks defensively, end. though. He's better than J.D. Davis, dude. Is Stop. he? Stop. I don't know that he is. Stop. I really don't. Like, VRs can be brutal defensively. I understand that he's not a stud defender. I am wanting to say that there's no chance he's not better than J.D. Davis. I mean, I haven't looked at the metrics, but I'm going no chance. I may be, I may be overstating no chance, but I'm saying no chance. He's better than, he's worse than JD Davis. But let's um, see. I, will, I mean, I will look. I'm gonna butcher his name, Luis Gromi. Yeah, whatever. With his 22 pitch. Yeah, he actually is a. He's a. Yeah, he's a very good defender. Like, I yeah. think if if anybody's going to cut into the time there, it might be him. But, I mean, he's, I don't think, much of anything with the bat other than that 22. Oh, uh, did you see these? Yeah, that thing <laughs> was, was amazing. <laughs> so cool. Really cool. I don't know if John Boy did a breakdown of that, but if he did, I need to go watch it. I'll go watch it again. Yeah. So I'll go watch it again. But um, So, okay, just quickly. 2019, J.D. Davis, minus eight outs above average. 2020, just... In case you forgot, 2020 was a 60-game season. He was minus seven. Yeah. So let's let's be fair. Let's go to VR because he's got some horrendous numbers himself, including a minus 22 in 2016. Um, so 2019, he was minus 12 at short and second, though. And then last year was minus nine. He was indeed 
worse than J.D. Davis. However, the only consolation that I'm going to take from that is that he's playing a more difficult position because the bulk of his negatives come from shortstop. Yeah, that, that, I mean, that's that, fair. Yeah, but he's still, I mean, I've, that said, neither are good. He's, I, he's I, not I, taking over the position because of defense. Like, that's, and they're not going to be like, listen, we're going to we're gonna sit J.D. Davis because VR's defense is so much better. It's like, you know. But if they're hitting similarly, I think a, like a short sample defensive burst it's pretty niche. I'm I'm understanding that. I'm not saying this is a likelihood. I all, bottom line, bottom line, because I don't want to belabor this, because I'm fine with JD Davis's price. But bottom line, this is more commensurate with where he should be because potential yeah, issues can arise mm-hmm. with Jonathan VR, with Guillermo uh, Guillerme coming in and taking some time. That's all. That that's it, and that's all with that. Uh, I don't want to overstate it. You want to take him? That price is fair to maybe get 30 homers. He's got that kind of pop. He showed some good patience. The pop wasn't there in 2020. It was two months, though. I'm not putting too much into that for J.D. Davis, even though you're really only banking on a 140-game sample from 2019 to, to even like him because uh, that was him finally breaking out. So, And I will say, in price. Davis, yeah, yes, the pop wasn't there for Davis, but like the StatCast data, while it did take a little bit of a step back, I mean, it took a step back from, like, he had elite stat cast data in 2019 to... To very good. Yeah, to, yeah, pretty damn good still. So, yeah. like, I, I, I like I have, Davis at this price. I gotta be honest, I kind of have no issue envisioning or suggesting that he would have come out of this given a six-month season. I think he would have started to get the ball back up in the air because he was at 56% ground balls. Mm-hmm. I think some of that would have changed. I don't know. I'm speculating. I get it. But the price is right anyway. The market wised up on J.D. Davis, and now he's he's more of a sharp buy than uh, than anything else. Michael Kopech, minus 44 to 337. I think this is just simply realizing that he's not going to start in the rotation mm-hmm. and that um, the excitement over him as we could dream on things coming into the uh, into spring was nice. But then the realization, the, the reality struck, and he's in the bullpen, so he came down. I don't think there's much more to analyze there except to ask, are you taking him at 337? Probably not. Okay, that's fair. Uh, Jared Walsh, minus 41 to 248. I think that's people just being stupid. Stupid pieces of shit. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I, I, I love the it. analysis. I, this this will be the podcast I submit for for podcast of the year. So a- Absolutely. Absolutely. Me calling the, the audience-based pieces of shit. I, I am a piece of garbage. Um, no, I think this is a little bit of concern. Like, the hype dying down and a little bit of concern about, like, Pujols and them. I got to be honest, though, I'm really not that concerned. I'm happy to take the discount here on a guy that I like because they've had the conversation with Pujols and they made clear, like, you're not playing every day anymore. Like, that's just not where it's at. We're trying to win here. And I think he understands that that them having an opportunity to win requires him to not play every day. So he's going to miss some time when Otani's batting DH and Walsh is playing first. So this doesn't really bother me, even though I understand you look at like roster resource, you see pools at first, Otani at DH, Walsh on the bench, panic ensues. I think he plays a ton. I think he gets over 500 plate appearances. Yeah. Uh, I think it's close to 500. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I, don't think Pulos is necessarily pushing him to the bench, but I could see this turning into kind of just a platoon situation. Um, I mean, 
Maybe, but then it's at least strong side, short side. Yeah, exactly. It's strong it's side platoon, so it's it's okay. I'm gonna say he gets like four hundred and eighty-five plated, four hundred ninety plated. Like he's gonna be just short of five hundred, but I think with that he could still hit twenty-three, twenty-five, twenty-seven home runs. Um, and I think he, you know, the average probably isn't gonna be amazing, but. Um, like, I don't think it's going to kill you. I think 250, 250, 260 sounds Forget fine. Where Walsh is at on those strikeout gains. How real was mm-hmm. that? He made some legit changes. And I, if there is some viability to that, there's, there's the opportunity to actually be maybe a batting average asset. I am cautious on such a sharp gain. And uh, I don't want to overrate it. And, you know, coming into spring or in spring so far, he's back to a 29%. But I've said, I've been clear. First off, I don't think he's going to be a 14% at all. I'll take a a mid to high 20s strikeout rate. He was 40%, Jared Walsh was, in his little 2019 sample. 40, 4-0. Then he goes to 14-1-4 in a similarly sized sample of 2020. Now, there were changes behind that. But neither of those are the real guy. I don't think mash him up and he's a 26%. Like, what did I say? He's 28, 29% in spring right now. He can live with that. He can be, with full time, he can be a 30 homer type guy with that sort of strikeout rate that will put him as a batting average risk. If he does have a little bit more of those gains and he's lower 20s, then you start to bump up the average a little bit. But pay for 25 homers, 240 average, and I think he'll be comfortable with Jared Walsh personally. That's where I'm at. I will say, and like I don't think this is necessarily indicative where he will hit in the lineup, but over this week, he's been in the lineup, I believe, let's see, one, two, three times. So three out of the five games so far this week. Mm-hmm. Um, he has hit third, third, and second, including well, today's lineup. Where it is David Fletcher, Jared Walsh, Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon. Dude. Now, who knows if that is... Like, this is going to be a lineup that fluctuates a, quite a bit because, sure, because it's Madden, it's Otani's going to... a superstar piece that comes in and out of it. Yeah, so... But, like, the, the fact that he's just not locked into, like, that five or six spot... Is really really intriguing. I agree, <laughs> and I'm I I, I, I'm now like I'm starting to buy in a little bit more um, than I had been, uh, and now I'm gonna have to adjust my first base ranks. This is just like a whole like, hey, adjust your ranks episode, Justin. Rankings update episode, yeah. exactly. We get the news, we 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 distill it, and we make the moves that we we see as appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I like Jared Walsh. I will say, not for nothing, Pujols is raking in spring. And I forever love Pujols. I just he's he's one of those elite stars. You know how sometimes people kind of pick their lane on a superstar, whether they like or hate him. You know, if he burns your team a bunch, Houston fans, I'm not expecting you to to be super giddy about Albert Pujols. I will let you know when that Brad Lidge homer lands. Um, I'm sure there'll be like a breaking news cut in on the national networks and everything too, uh, since it'll be such a historic moment. Um, but I've he's just one that I've always liked. I've always liked Pujols. I think he's a monster. Um, you know. I, I know that he's probably 43. I don't care. Like, that doesn't. 73? No, like, 40, like there, the baseball prospectus article, and just Google Albert Pools' baseball no, prospectus yeah. age, and you'll find it if you really want to read it. Makes pretty clear 
that he's 43, like he's two years older. Like it, it's pretty, pretty sound evidence. It's not just sometimes some of the age stuff gets thrown out baselessly on a guy. This is pretty clear. Um, and it, it speaks, okay, it takes a little juice off the front end of his career of like when he was like 21 doing whatever. He was 23. Okay. Still a, a whole thing. Career, a, a 159 WRC plus is still amazing. Um, but it also colors the back end of his career a bit more of like, okay, when he was putting up a 133 WRC plus in 2012, he was 34, not 32. So, you know, if you... When you really do a full analysis of Pujols, his career is so amazing. And I think that his decline has actually been pretty smooth. Like, mm-hmm. this is the kind of decline that you expect from an inner circle type guy. So I don't want to derail on that because we're wrapping up here. But uh, he's not going to take a ton of Walsh's time, though. I really don't believe that. He's going to play with enough regularity to be in the lineup multiple times a week. But if Walsh does jump a level, Pujols is going to be – he can be sitting for three, four days at a time, I believe. Yeah. If Otani's doing his thing and Walsh is like closer to that 2020 sample than anything else, which again I don't believe that's going to happen. I'm I'm bringing the strikeout rate back and everything, but let's say that that is like some new level that he's at, then then Pujols really takes a back seat. But I think it could be a platoon, like you said, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, last guy, Yasiel Puig, and we both cry together because he's minus 40 to 355 because he doesn't play baseball anymore is the main reason. This and is it's difficult. So- yeah, to I'm, draft somebody in your fantasy baseball league who does not play baseball. Yeah, this is super frustrating because, like, for certain guys to get all the chances in the world, um, you know, Domingo Herman is pitching in Major League Baseball. Uh, it seems pretty clear that at some point in the next week or so, Roberto Suna is going to be signing a deal. And you've got Yasiel Puig and Jeremy Jeffress. Um, well, let's put those two separate, though, because Jeremy Jeffress is weed. It's all weed, is it not? I mean, I, I honestly, I don't even know. when he was younger, this this clouded issue right now that we don't really know what's going on. Now, if there's something else there, please inform me. But from all I know, they've been popped for weed like 50 times. It's like yeah, a Josh but, Gordon situation. But... They're allowed to smoke weed. Well, I know, I know. I'm just saying, if he was on a minor league deal, I think it's a little different. That's the thing: the minor leaguers aren't protected. Actually, but he shouldn't have a minor league. They are protected, now, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but like, he he shouldn't have a minor league deal. Well, that here's the thing. That's the cloudiness that I don't know right now. But it said Nats signed him to a minor league deal. We don't know. We don't know what's going on right now with Jeffress. But with Puig, he does have. An accusation of of sexual assault. Yeah, so that's a totally different thing. I understand what you're saying. We see all these other guys with with cases that have gone through that because like I told I did kind of forget about the the accusation of sexual assault on Puig, but like that's not why he hasn't been signed in two years. It's it's well yeah because it's it his persona. Yeah, it's and that's really interesting because by all accounts he's a very good teammate. The people who play with him love playing with him. Um, like, he literally takes on entire other dugouts for his team. <laughs> yeah, um, he actually has a bad rap, like, his, some of the Dodger stuff, but a lot of teammates rave about him. Like, Zach Granke yeah. didn't like him, but that was kind of a Zach Granke problem more so, it seems. Zach Granke doesn't like anybody. 
Yeah. Did, did you read that Zach Greinke article, with the, which was hilarious? Yeah, and I like Zach Greinke as a pitcher and everything. I, I could see how he wouldn't really endear himself to people yeah. either, and yet his is quirky and fun, but Puig is a problem? Yeah. Because I, he's a goofball the, and aloof? Like Again, it, putting the sexual the se- sexual. I don't want to say putting it aside, but that is a completely different thing that I do not condone and have. And, and maybe, maybe that's maybe, the reason now he's not. Maybe being signed, finally but. somebody's paying for it though, and it's like we've always say that we want people to like be, you know, get get an actual punishment for it. And so if there is a lot more smoke uh, fire here than than just smoke, because I I know virtually nothing about the case. I know that the woman accused him about. Staples Center incident, and it's a pending civil suit. I have not fully read up on it, so I don't want to speak ignorantly. Yeah, and I honestly did not remember about it. it, We want punishments for it, and I guess if if this is like, okay, well, here it is. But be consistent. Like, throw everybody out. Well, that's the thing, but it has to start somewhere, and they're not going to go back and get everybody else if they're starting with Puig. Now, I don't know if I give the league enough credit that they're actually taking a stand because I think if he was playing better, yeah. not that he was playing poorly, but if he had uh, you know, more obvious value, they wouldn't care. So I but he's thirty years old, man. And I mean I just You can't draft him. Like I just I mean at no, this point, like not, he's not on a team, like or anywhere really. I mean where can I mean? Yeah, because uh, you can't IL him. You're right. You're yeah, right. like you're just stuck with a dead spot on your roster. If he signs somewhere, I will be super interested to pick him up. But I, I mean, at this point, like we're not at a point where like nobody's waiting for anything. Like he's not on a team. I don't think he's gonna be on the team unless you know somebody signs him mid season or something like that. Like it's just um, he's gonna go play independent ball somewhere and. Uh, hopefully, if he gets another shot, he gets another shot. But like, he's not on. He can't be on a fantasy team right now. Like, I saw yeah. him get drafted. I think in in like labor, like one of the labor leagues. And I'm like, why? Like, you just that's you just wasted that spot. Can they do anything? Uh, can they cut him since he doesn't have a team? Because I know there's like strict rules in labor, but that's only if they're on their starting roster, right? Yeah, I don't think he was. I think he was a reserve list guy or something like that. Yeah, or, I, I would but, think so. Yeah, I mean, just. Just reserve you know, yeah. list. Uh, he shouldn't you know. have an ADP at this point. I, I, I can't draft him. I and mean, if, we, if we can't two of his biggest fans, then you really shouldn't be. Um, so, yeah, he's the last guy with 40-plus move down to 355. Should be even lower. We'll see what happens with him. And, uh, and obviously, if that case goes a particular way where he is, he is found to have committed this heinous act and, and, and gets uh, um, found guilty in the civil suit and everything... Then, then good riddance. Then, then good riddance. You know, I, I'm not here to play favorites and like uh, say someone's domestic abuse is, is more okay than another's. I will. The only thing I would caution on is just saying all of them are the same. Like if you hear domestic violence, like that's the same as all the other ones. I'm putting them all in the same bucket. Like I do think that they're. It's worth educating on the different cases to just understand what's going on. Um, I don't think any of them are good. Obviously. So I don't want to make it sound like I'm saying that. I no, I mean, I, and I think the bottom line is, like, with, with someone like Puig is, yes, maybe this issue, you know, this this legal issue is what has kind of put the final nail in his coffin. But, but it wasn't there, the first. Yeah, it wasn't the first three nails. Like, exactly. it, the first three nails were teams didn't want to deal with a PR headache. 
Um, well, one was COVID too, because remember he signed with he signed Atlanta. Atlanta, and then he got COVID. But like then, then he was at some point COVID goes away unless he was really really sick. But we didn't oh, hear yeah, any reports no, of that. Like what happened? Why wasn't he signed then again? Like you I know, don't know, like I don't know, man. I like it wasn't like you know. I mean, it wasn't like there wasn't like twenty six teams in Major League Baseball that couldn't have at least used him as a bench bat. Mm hmm. You know, I'm, and I'm he would you. at that point he probably would have taken that just to be on a major league team just and to, get a chance to, to prove himself. You know, so I just like yes, it's the, a curious the, case. The late it's latest news on this, you know, this legal uh, stuff. Um, I definitely understand teams going, yeah, we don't want to deal with that headache, and you know, you need to that needs to be wrapped up before you know we we tender you a contract. But sure. like prior to that. 29 of teams should have been interested, and I can understand the Dodgers not wanting to be. Sure, sure. Um, so that's where it is with the Osiel Puig. We'll, we'll kind of see where it's at as things continue. But that's going to wrap us up. Another biggie here as we get through the uh, the ADP movers, um, and we'll kind of see what we've got planned on tap for Tuesday. We'll see how the weekend plays out because you never know. I don't want to set something right now, and then uh, we want to change everything based on news. So we'll, we'll, we'll kind of play it as it comes. I'm very excited uh, for this weekend with Tout mm -hmm. and then main main event coming up. Can't wait, man. So, uh, so uh, yeah, we Jason and I, we'd like to record this weekend. We don't know if we're going to be able to. Just full disclosure, you know, he's got Tout on Saturday. Or I got Tout on Saturday. Or no, we both have Tout on it. Saturday. Um, yeah, and then he usually helps out with Tout in some yeah, capacity. Yeah, and I, my anniversary is Sunday with my wife. So it... In, we may not be able to record this weekend. I, we will try to work something out, but just understand that uh, um, that may not happen this weekend, but we'll be back on Tuesday for sure. Mm -hmm. Okay, perfect. All right. Have a good one, Justin. Talk to you later. Take it easy.